Hey, keto freaks. Here's an update on KetoFest. KetoFest is a ketogenic festival for everyone. Richard Morris and I, along with a host of keto rock stars you probably know, are turning the entire coastal town of New London, Connecticut, ketogenic for a whole weekend next July. At least we hope it'll be next July. The actual date won't be confirmed until mid-January. You want talks by some of the hottest names in keto? Some of the best and brightest minds have already said they want to come, including Jimmy Moore, Megan Ramos, Ivor Cummins, Dr. Jeff Gerber, Dr. Eric Westman, and Dr. Ted Naiman. We hope to have a bacon bar going all day long during the talks. Knowledge and bacon. Ah. But we're going to do much more than sit in on these great talks. How about an outdoor pig roast? Cooking classes, fitness classes, walking tours, Segway tours, and of course, live music and hanging out with fellow Ketonians. Several restaurants and bars in the neighborhood have offered up a special keto menu that includes low-carb potables, chicken wings, and fathead pizza. Wouldn't a fathead pizza truck be the best ever? Yeah, I'm talking a portable brick oven all weekend long. Well, we're going to have a Kickstarter in March to sell tickets. Meantime, add your name to the mailing list at KetoFest.com. KetoFest, real keto for real people. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. And in just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, and I've been on a ketogenic diet for almost three years. Yeah. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes, and within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've also lost about 80 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. So this show is a document of my progress through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. Yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nah. We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. <laughs> in every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot be ignored. No, it cannot. So let's start podcast number 47, The Ketogenic Forums. Well, Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? What was last week was the uh, Christmas show. No, there was nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> no apologies given. <laughs> no apologies. Yeah. No apologies expected and none given. We had a lot of great comments and we did. good reactions from that show. And it makes us think that we might want to do that on a more regular basis. Yeah, I, I definitely think we should uh, hang out with Brenda and Kim more often. Mm -hmm. But I think they would actually make a good podcast just on their own. So, yeah, if uh, we can just convince them to do it. We should do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Yep. It's any way of eating that puts you in a state of nutritional ketosis. Mm -hmm. And what we follow is every day we eat no more than 20 grams of carbohydrates, which we mostly get from green leafy vegetables and a few nuts and some dairy. Yep. And uh, protein scales based on the amount of lean body mass that we have. I currently eat 50 to 80 grams of protein a day, something like that. Yeah, I'm about 60. Yep. And uh, as far as the rest of it, it comes from fat. Our energy comes from fat, either the fat on our plate or the fat from that Krispy Kreme donut we ate a decade ago. We ate a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe it was a year ago. <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been a decade since I had a Krispy Kreme since I lived in America. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's probably been maybe two two or three years for me. I can't remember the last time I had any of that stuff. So you're actually coming up to your one-year anniversary. Yeah. You've almost been ketogenic for a year now. Yeah. And we've been podcasting for a year. It's pretty amazing. I still feel great, and I wouldn't give it up for anything. Not for the biggest Big Mac in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so how was your week, man? So my week was great. You know, last week I spoke about my... Uh, DEXA scan, that's right. a body composition analysis. Yeah. And you remember I said that I was I was about 10% more dense than I, than I thought I was? Yeah, right. Yes, yeah, so I've been working on having a lean body mass of uh, roughly 70 kilograms, which and that was based on my height and uh, a bunch of criteria, but I used a formula to calculate lean body mass. But it turns out that my lean body mass is actually 80.5 kilograms. Wow. So I'm significantly more lean yeah. than I thought I was. And I also thought that my uh, body fat percentage was up around 30. I thought that's about where I'd plateaued out. But my body mass percentage is at 25. Wow. So most of my fat is, is central. One, it's how men deposit fat around their belly, but also it's specifically about how type 2 diabetics deposit fat. It's not visceral, so right. it's not around my organs. Yeah. It's just around. It's subcutaneous around my um, around my center sure. of my body. Now, one of the things that the DEXA does is it actually segments you up into areas and determines the body fat and lean mass ratios and bone density of those. Okay. And my legs are particularly dense. Wow! So it's remarkably. Oh, that's um, cycling. It's all that cycling, yeah. And yeah. one of the things I've done since I moved to Canberra about a year ago, I uh, I've stopped going to a personal trainer four times a week, and I do some body weight exercises, but most of my exercise is done cycling, and so a lot of my muscle around my legs, in particular, has become more, uh, I guess, stronger yeah. for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah. Um, and more, for, you know, I've, I've spent more effort focusing on those. So, mm. um, and the the good thing for me is that it gives me a glucose sink because now I can go out for a bike ride and I've got muscles that will sink up. They'll they'll basically draw glucose out of my blood. Yeah. So uh, that's convenient. But the interesting thing about my lean body mass being heavier than I thought is that I've actually been eating less protein as a percent uh, than I thought I was. Now we mm. use a rough guide of between one gram and 1.5 grams per kilogram of lean body mass. Right. I was calculating that for the past two years, almost three years. Now, it's been almost three years I've been ketogenic. Mm. I've been calculating that on uh, on about 70 kilograms of uh, 
of body of lean body mass, but it turns out that my lean body mass is up around eighty, wow. and so I've actually been eating 0.9 to one point four grams yeah. per kilogram of lean body mass. So I've actually been eating less protein, and I've been uh, gaining muscle. I've been gaining muscle, yeah. So well, that's great. It's, it's actually a good thing, and my bone density as well is 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 off the chart. So um, I'm very happy about uh, the results, the body composition results of. Uh, of a ketogenic diet. I got to find out where to get a DEXA scan, Richard. Yeah. That sounds like a good thing. Yeah, I'm going to be doing another one just before we go to Breckenridge at the end of February. And in between time, I'm really dialing my protein down. Prior to this, I was getting around about 80 grams a day. But ever since the DEXA, I've been getting around 64 grams of uh, of protein uh, per day. Mm. And I'm trying, I'm basically dialing into the Australian nutrient reference value for protein hmm. and doing a bookend of DEXA's front and back. And we'll see if I, yeah. uh, what it does to my lean body mass over that time. That's amazing. Very cool. So, how was your week, Carl? My week was great. You know why? Because this is the first f- holiday season I can remember where I haven't gone up 15, 20 pounds. That's incredible. And uh, I've, I've basically stayed the same. And I ate. A lot of rich food. Mm. I um, I indulged on ketogenic food. And you probably, in other Christmases past and Thanksgivings past, you probably restrained yourself a little bit because- yeah. I ate know. carbohydrates, but I ate less because I was constraining myself thinking that I was going to put on too much weight and all that stuff. And, and I just didn't care this time. I, I ate no carbs, but I just- I ate ketogenic with abandon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think we've got to take an opportunity when during these times to reflect on the fact that we're not putting the weight back on again. Yeah. Everybody says that you yo-yo. If you diet, this is throughout the scientific literature, right. just about everybody yo-yos back up to their previous weight because their body has a set weight. And the interesting thing for those of us who go ketogenic is doesn't seem to happen. No, it doesn't. A lot of us, sure, we might stall and we still have, you know, 25% body fat, but we're healthy and we're not putting it back on again. (laughs) You know, as someone who was classic Atkins, you know, who did the low carb thing for a while and then got lazy and started eating more protein than I should and then add a few carbs and a few more carbs and pretty soon you're, uh, you know, going to Taco Bell yeah, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that describes a lot of people, right? That just don't mm. ever get to fat adaptation. Right. And I found that since I've hit that fat adapted state, Hmm. It's so much easier to manage. Yeah, I, I feel like a completely different physiological being. Yeah, as long as you stay on top of it, and this is something Dr. Finney says, is that he likens it to being on a sand dune. If you're trying to get up to the top from the bottom, it's a lot of hard work. But once you're on the top, as long as you stay on the top, right, you're fine. Yeah. If you slip down a little bit, then you put it got to put a little bit of hard work in to get back up again. But not much. No, no, that's right. Less. Way less. less. Yeah, yeah, way less. Hmm. All right. Well, before we dive into all the stuff about the ketogenic forums, we have something to read, and it's called Mail. We have quite a few mails to get uh, through, so I will start with Kathy. She posted in the forum, ketogenicforums.com, with the title Keto Firsts. Oh, yeah. And she says, I love keto, and I have come to realize that it has introduced me to many new experiences. 
And she listed a few of them. And this is what gave me the idea to think about this for, you know, this is the first Christmas that uh, I haven't put on weight. Mm. She says, this is the first time that I truly believe I have changed my way of eating for the rest of my life. This is the first time that I like eating the food that I am, quote unquote, allowed to eat. Oh, wow. This is the first time that I've realized that diabetes does not have to be a progressive disease. Yep. This is the first time that I've discovered I have cheekbones. <laughs> this is the first time I've weighed less than 70 kilograms in the last 35 years. Wow. And this is what gave me the, the idea, too. This is the first time that I've lost weight over the Christmas holidays. And, you know, Kathy, while I didn't lose weight, I didn't gain any either. And it was the first time I've never gained. I'm absolutely gobsmacked by that comment that she says this is the first time I'm liking the food that I'm allowed to eat. Yeah. Joy. It's just simple joy yeah, that's in right. eating. Yeah. We're built to enjoy fueling ourselves. And the fact that somebody's gone through their whole life denying themselves the joy of fueling themselves, that's incredible to me. By the way, I uh, I stopped over at the uh, Manjikati Miller's house last night. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of joy. <laughs> yeah, speaking of joy. And let me tell you something. Karen looks amazing. You wow. you wouldn't recognize her from just this time last year. I've seen photographs, but... I don't know how much weight she's lost, but she looks amazing. Does it, does it matter how much weight she's, she's lost? She, her body is going to its optimal. Yeah, it doesn't matter. She looks great. She feels great. I also got um, a text from my friend Les uh, today, mm -hmm. and uh, he's the guy who took insulin and takes a lot of insulin, and he's yeah. cut it in half and all this stuff. So he said, Carl, I finally weighed myself today for the last day of 2016. Last time I weighed myself the doctor, I was 365, and my scale today read 308. Wow. That, getting past 300 is a big step. Yeah. So he's very close. He, he's very, very close. But that's crazy yeah. since October. So that's two months. Yeah. And almost 60 pounds. Incredible. Absolutely astounding. Plus his blood sugar never goes over 100 and he's cut his insulin in half. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've got a mail for you and this is uh, apropos of this discussion. Okay. Uh, and this mail was in our Facebook group uh, and this is from Eric. And Eric says... Just over six months ago, I was taking medication for type 2 diabetes and blood pressure and also for depression. But regardless of what I was prescribed, my numbers were out of control. And not to mention the fatigue and kidney stones every other week. Oh. He goes on to say, three months into keto, both my blood pressure and sugar started to get very low to dangerous levels. So my doctor recommended to stop the low-carb, healthy-fat diet immediately oh. as he was always against it. Damn. Instead, I started to reduce the medication until I felt normal again, which was after getting rid of that medication completely. Oh, man. I, I just got to have a quick sidebar that yeah, don't you do really that, should people. trust your doctor. Don't do that, yeah, please. don't do that. <laughs> Even if you think your doctor is misinformed, that you still have to follow their advice. Change their mind, but do what they say. I absolutely agree. And if you don't like what they say and if you think they're harming you, then just get another doctor. Change your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes on to say, I've now lost 27.5 kilograms, that's 60 pounds. Mm. My HbA1c is textbook non-diabetic without any medication. Yeah. 
And he's also ditched Prozac because carbs were making me depressed and fat makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, same here. Well, not yeah. Prozac, but fat makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, and Prozac. not to mention that before keto, I had chronic kidney stones every two or three weeks. Mm. It's been almost five months since I had any kidney problems. Mm. Uh, it, it wasn't easy and I had to adapt because what worked for others didn't work for me, but I did not give up. Yeah. After lots of research and debugging, I got here safe and sound. My story is a lot longer, but what matters is that I feel like a completely different, healthier person. Yeah. And he goes on to say he'd like to thank us and our admins and the group yeah. that uh, for maintaining and sharing all the information that has helped him since he joined. And trust me when I say this, you guys, and this is all of us, you guys are making a difference. Mm. And he says, I'll see you at the ketogenicforums.com. Happy New Year. That's amazing. So thanks, Eric. Uh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, you're more than welcome. People like Eric are the reason that we do what we do. Uh, and uh, it's probably a good idea to probably talk, start talking about our ketogenic forums. Yeah, we should. And that's why we're doing this show, because uh, this is a big change. Yeah. As many of you know, we have a very popular Facebook group mm -hmm. with uh, 11,000 members now. Yep. And we uh, have outgrown it, and it's become very difficult to continuously answer the same questions over and over again. It's not going to scale to the number that we want, so we created a forum at www.ketogenicforums.com. Yep. So on Christmas Day, we opened it to our beta testers. Our community. Yep. Yep. And on New Year's Day, we opened it to the public. Yeah. And the whole idea is that we want a place that can scale and we want a place where people can search for answers before they post a question because chances are there's going to be a good answer there already. Yeah. And we want to create a knowledge base, but we also want to keep the uh, spirit of discussion alive. That's right. So we've got two kinds of forums on the ketogenic forums. We have discussion forums where people just throw out random topics and have chats just like they used to do on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then we have things that are more for questions and answers and for uh, show me the science. And we have uh, food and recipes and things like that, where you can go and search in those categories and then find the answers that you're looking for. Yeah, it's like a library section. It's like if you want to find something about uh, ancient Roman architecture, you go to the either the architecture section or the Roman section right. and uh, the library. And so we have categorized things up, and we also have 21 admins plus Carl and myself who are actively going through all the conversations, looking for useful information and plucking it out and putting it into categories so that it can be easy to find. And the nice thing about this forum software is that over time, everybody who is on the forum for over 100 days and is in good standing eventually gets the same facility themselves. So they right. get these moderator powers. So, And that's exactly what we want. We want this to scale up. To millions. And so the forum software that we chose is called Discourse. D-I-S-C-O-U-R-S-E. -E. Yeah. You don't need to know that. It's at ketogenicforums.com. It's the ketogenic forums. But you might want to know why we chose Discourse. Because the most popular forum on the internet for programmers was built by the same guys that built Discourse. Yeah. And we really have a lot of respect for them because we've actually been using this site. It's called Stack Overflow. Professionally. Professionally for years. Yeah. And so to help us understand our decision and help us understand discourse and what it is and why we're going to use it, we've invited Jeff Atwood 
who wrote Discourse, on the show. Mm. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great. Just uh, getting ready for the next year, right? See what terror 2017 can bring to us. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, everybody says that this was such a bad year. And, you know, by the number of rock star deaths, it has been a bad year. But in terms of economic numbers here in the States, it's actually been pretty good. So we we just forget. I think social media has a way of amplifying uh, people's angst. Sure. You know? Yeah. No, for sure. The, the, the data worldwide is actually quite good, not just here, but mm. particularly in the developing world. I totally agree. And that brings us nicely into our topic, which is why we got off this Facebook group. And uh, I think uh, it was a couple of years ago, Jeff, I was talking to you in, um, I think it was in Seattle at an MVP summit, wasn't it? Yeah, possibly. You and I run into each other every two years or so. Every once in a while. Yeah. And so, so we were talking and uh, I hadn't talked to you since you'd left Stack Overflow and a little history lesson here. Um, Jeff was one of the founders of the most successful data store of technical information that exists on the internet, and that's Stack Overflow and a bunch of companies that resulted from that. And uh, they wrote their own software for it, and it turned out that they used gamification and incentives, which we all know work well. And to um, sort of help people find the information that they're looking for, rather than just being a sort of a rolling scroll blogish, uh, you know, what's happening right now kind of thing, which Facebook tends to cater to. And so uh, I ran into him, and I hadn't talked to him since he left Stack Overflow. And I asked him what he was doing, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm working on this software called Discourse. And then we started talking about all the problems that we have with um, not just other forum software, but you know, Facebook being generally the big problem, and uh, and what to do about comments that people leave. We use um, on our other podcast, uh, .NET Rocks. I use uh, Discuss, which is just a little thing that you plug in JavaScript wise, and it uh, allows people to leave comments on a particular page by URL. So it's not really a forum per se, but it's a sort of a cheap way to get a little interaction. And I just found that with blogs and people leaving comments that have links to spam and stuff, it's just so hard to keep on top of all of that stuff and, and keep the conversation on topic and, and civil. And uh, you were thinking about the same thing a few years ago, and that's why you started Discourse. And is that a pretty good summary of uh, what we talked about? It is. And Stack Overflow was really very successful because for, I think for, uh, well, a couple reasons, but the main one is that it's, it's Q and A. It's not a discussion. There's, there's a constant confusion people have and they unlearn it pretty rapidly if they actually get into the culture of Stack Overflow, even a little. Yeah. But on first visit, you might be like, oh, this is a place where I type words in a box on the internet, like <laughs> any other place that I type <laughs> words in a box on the internet. But it's really not because it's, it's a question. Somebody poses a question. And there's certain rules about the what the question can be, how it's stated. Like it has to be an answerable question. Mm -hmm. It can't be like, why do I feel funny? You know, like right. <laughs> it has to be something that's you know job related, work related, uh, can be answered in some reasonable fashion, makes sense, isn't incoherent rambling. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's some strictness about the question, and then everything after that is about answering the question, not about let me have a dialogue with this person, let me understand their thoughts and motivations and feelings, but mm. you know. Can you answer this question? Does the question need to be refined? That's another question. Like sometimes you get questions right. that are unclear and they need to be clarified and that's fine. So it could be sort of an answer that also asks for a little bit of clarification, but it's all done through editing. So it's a, it's a question and answer scenario. It's very much like a classroom 
uh, it's not like a place to hang out. It's not a place you should really go for, to, to have fun. You should go there because you want to get work done. You know, you have a problem and you, you need the answer to move forward with your work. So that was the background of Stack Overflow is this very focused, focused system that worked, I mean, amazingly well for producing useful information. To the point where everybody I know who's a programmer says, this is how I write code. I see something that says, oh, I need to use this function in JavaScript. I Google that function in JavaScript and the first page is the question and answer in Stack Overflow. I mean, that's essentially, and people copy and paste code right out of it. And I know if it's in Stack Overflow, I know it's going to be, it's going to have been filtered through maybe 10 or 20 uh, developers and it's going to come out with with the right answer. Yeah, so it's it's this great resource, and it's also a source of learning. You can go there and actually learn things, right. because one of the best ways to learn, and all programmers know this, because programming is a process of continual learning. Mm. Sure. Every day, you're having to learn new things or write some bit of code you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So the best way to learn something is to be able to teach it to someone else. So it's this very nice re- reciprocal relationship between the people answering the questions and the people asking the questions because you're all learning together mm. because the person asking the question might know some other obscure thing that you don't know because there are so many obscure things in programming. Programming right. is like nothing but obscure, annoying things that will yeah. bite you in the butt, right? That's really all it is. Uh, so having, you know, I got your back scenario of like, you answer my question, then I'll answer your question. It's like tit for tat. It feels good. It's like, this is how we learn together. This is how we do better as an industry. So, mm. That's exciting. I mean, that was always the original vision. But the flip side of that is, as good as it is at Q&A, it is really terrible for literally everything else. Mm. (laughs) So you have to understand that, right? You're building a special purpose tool because people would come in constantly go, but why can't we just let us do what we want to do here? I'm like, but you don't understand. If I let you do that, you would break the reason that you came there in the first place. Because if you fill it with all this noise about... You know, what's the coolest Java function? What's, you know, what's the funniest thing you've seen? What yeah. do you like to eat when you're programming? No one would go there anymore. Well, and, and your search results would be skewed into garbage. I mean, it, what I like about Stack Overflow is that the, the best answers are voted to the top. You go there, you search. You don't ask a question. You search with your question. And chances are it's been asked before. And then chances are that the best thread and the best answer has been voted up. And so that's what I like about it. Totally different from... What uh, we're trying to do with ketogenic forums, by the way, which is definitely right. a place we want to be able to search for stuff. However, there's also a social aspect to it and all those things. So I'm curious to um, as to what you learned in Stack Overflow that you put into discourse and then what you didn't put into discourse or you did differently. Yeah, so that's a great lead in because the, the main difference is, you know, it, the, you have discussions and you have questions and answer sites. And those are very, very different animals. To the extent that you mix them, you are screwing up badly. Like I would point to, not to names names, but there's a number of sites that do this and don't have really relaxed rule sets. Right? Oh, we'll allow anything. And it just gets stupid. Like I remember one of those sites, literally there's a question, what did Jesus's farts smell like? And I'm like, oh, the my. answer to that is, who cares, right? Like it's The answer just to that stupid. is, you're, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. But I mean, there are other questions that are more slippery slope, like how does it, you know, describe what it's like to be a surgeon. And a surgeon might come in and give a really interesting answer, this is what I do. And it's interesting, but it's not solving the problem I had in my life, right? Like yeah. I'm not waking up going, I, I wish I could be a surgeon. If someone would just explain how to do it, then I'll, I'll just start, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a great story. It's a great storytelling 
mechanism, but that's not why you go there. You go there to like, you know, get things done fundamentally. Yeah. It's like a classroom. So discussions are not Q&A and they're also mm. not classrooms. You're not really there to to learn as a primary reason. Like you go to school, you sit in a classroom, you have an hour of, I don't know, geometry or whatever. You expect that to happen, right? Mm. But when you go to a discussion site, you're just going to have to see, to, to essentially at some level to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you have to embrace this idea of what I call the dark side of Stack Overflow, where people wanted to have all this fun. I'm like, no, you shall not have fun. Right. <laughs> we are not here to have fun. We are here <laughs> to get things done. And God, people just hate you for that, right? The certain yeah. there, there are people that really get it, to be fair, and they'll defend you. And that was great. That's why I can leave Stack, because there's so many people that understood what we were doing better than I did. And so it was nice to kind of walk away from that and say, look, I'm building a project now where it is a place to hang out. Mm. It's a place where there don't have to be really strict rules other than, you know, don't do anything illegal, don't right. kill each other. Uh, <laughs> but what I like about it, though, is so, so far we've set up different categories that some are uh, centered on science and research and sure. uh, discussions around it. And you can go there and search just those categories and just those topics. Yeah. So discussion is a much broader building block of community. You can build a lot of stuff on top of a discussion system. Right. You could certainly have a Q&A section of a discussion site where you yeah. say, okay, for this section, we have a slightly stricter rules and right. here are the rules of the school. We call it categories in discourse. You can absolutely yeah. do that. And that makes sense. And one of the things I love about discussion software was that, you know, this is the the backbone of the internet to me is these special interest communities where mm-hmm. it's just people who are passionate about X, where X could be really anything, mm-hmm. including, you know, and savory stuff even. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. just go there and hang out and, and talk about X, right? And they don't have to answer to, you know, Facebook. They don't have to answer to Twitter. It's their clubhouse, right. their rules. And, you know, it belongs to them. It's that sense of ownership that I talked about where you go there and it's like, oh, this is our place because we set the rules here. Um, and we decide what happens here. It's it, one of these things that happens with uh, with a conversation is conversations tend to meander into interesting areas, and you tend to find something interesting to talk about in the middle of a conversation. And one of these things happened on our discourse forum. We had somebody. Uh, this was a, a new post. That a, a, a regular user basically mentioned that they had a heart condition in one of our health forums. Oh yeah, uh, that they had ventral tachycardia. And it turns out that two of our admins both had the same thing, and neither knew about it. Yeah. And so now there's a community growing around that particular question, yeah. talking about uh, how this diet specifically helps them. That wouldn't have come up had we not had a discussion. Had we just had a Q&A site, somebody might have gone on and said, you know, will this diet help my ventral, uh, ventricular tachycardia? But, mm. you know, it, it's fairly random. But the fact that it, that just evolved out of a conversation was fascinating. That's great. Another thing we have to address here is just the problems with Facebook. We have a community there had a, well, we will have until February 1st when we're locking the doors. At least that's the plan for we now. We will have had. <laughs> yeah, we will have had. <laughs> and after about three or 4,000, it just got completely out of control crazy. People would not only ask the same question in a stream of comments to the same post, but you know, without mm-hmm. reading the other comments, but but they would constantly be asking the same questions by posting the same thing. And we would be playing whack-a-mole trying to answer, you know, you know, it's just like a million people trying to ask you the same question at once, and you can't just say one time what the answer is. You have to answer everyone individually. And it just turns out to be a lot of work for those people who have the answers, right? Well, yeah. So what you're describing is more of a chat-type scenario where 
Chat yeah. is great for getting started easily. That's one of the things uh, th that's powerful about Slack is you can just have a, you know, go to that site, provision it. You don't have to set up DNS or anything, and bam, you got a little chat room. And if you have two people typing at the same time about literally anything, mm. the, the perception is that you're succeeding because, mm. oh, I have people talking to each other in the same room at the same yeah, time. This yeah. is working. But then as it starts to scale, you realize, well, chat isn't the end-all, be-all. It's important for – and it has a lot of shared DNA with discussion, actually. Chat. Uh, when I say chat, I mean like real time chat, like you see who's typing sure. that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, modern discussion is is has a lot more DNA in common than you would think on first glance, but they're not replacements for each other because as you point out, one of the number one things you hear from people that have it like we're just going to run a Slack and host all our community there. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying if you do it, you're going to run into exactly what you described, which is wow. It's a constant stream of people coming in and asking the same question over and over right. because there's how no do you retain history in a chat? It has no well, topic. But even so, even no though Facebook retains it um, and even though Slack retains it, people don't use the search. And the reason is because it doesn't work all that well. And I think Slack works better, actually. But um, Facebook, certainly people don't search for things. And when they do search for things, they don't, it's not an accurate search. They don't find the thing they're looking for. Um, not only That's that, but design, when you, though. it is by design. And this is what Richard says is that Facebook was designed to stick your eyeballs to their ads. So they want to const constantly uh, showing you what's the newest and the greatest, you know, to yeah. quote unquote. It's actually uh, Facebook's designed to tickle the novelty center in your brain. It's it's called the uh, substantia nigra ventral segmental area, or SNVTA. <laughs> <laughs> so, but basically what it does is as long as they can keep that novelty center in your brain tickled, they can keep shoving ads in and you won't notice them as long as you think you're getting something new. Right. But the moment that you see something that you've seen before, you start noticing the adverts. And so they're on a treadmill to continually feed new information to you. And I'll give you an example of how their search doesn't work. I've answered probably 30 times the question, why did you leave Facebook? And right. I've given this explanation of the uh, novelty center in your brain being the substantia nigra, et cetera, et cetera. So you would think that's a fairly unique term. If I was to search in our forum for that particular term, you would think Facebook search would actually return it. It doesn't because it, it's an old topic, and so Facebook search does wow. not actually return. And I've made that I've made that response about thirty times. So that's a perfect example of why why we have to leave. Wow, hmm. that's crazy. Because yeah, that's a very unique set of search terms, particularly right. if you brought it up. But not to denigrate the difficulty of search is a really really hard problem because we certainly. Sure struggle with this on Stack Overflow. We struggle with this on Discourse. I think everybody that works on search is like, search is legitimately hard computer science problem. So I don't want to minimize the difficulty of getting this right. Now, you could argue at the scale Facebook is out. I mean, they have the thousands and thousands of people they can throw at this problem. So it's a little less defensible mm -hmm. for Facebook mm -hmm. to be bad at this than, say, us <laughs> to be bad at this. Uh, so there is that. And then, then there's also like getting people to search at all. It's like, well, searching... Unless you intercept what they're typing, which we kind of do in discourse, like one thing we do that we added very early on is as you start typing, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to start typing words into this box because that's what we do on the internet. We type words into boxes and press enter, right? That's what we do. Yeah. So yeah. as you start typing in the background, it says, oh, you know, you're creating only in the case where you're creating a new topic, not a response. Um, in the case where you're creating a new topic, we search other topics and try to find ones that have similar words in common, say, oh, you know, did you want to use one of these other existing topics? And yeah. this actually, on the forum I described, I started a topic on 
playing games with my son who's like seven years old and I wanted co-op games on Steam that were like, you know, not too violent, sure. sort of at sure. his skill level and fun for two players. And as I started typing this topic, it's like, oh, it looks like, you know, it matched some of the words and said, and there actually was a topic almost exactly like mine. And it was actually really useful yeah. to know that, right? Like, oh, cool. You know, it's kind right. of a duplicate. Not exactly because I went in and looked at the topics like, well, this is a little bit different because I, I want Steam specifically. And But it does work. We do do that like preemptively as you type tell you oh you might this might already be here because that's going to answer your question faster if it's already been asked mm. and answered it was it was super relevant actually it was it was very relevant it's like a textbook example of like why we have that feature it's still hard like it's still going to show you a bunch of topics that probably don't relate to what you're typing because search is a hard problem uh but it was still very very useful in this particular case and it does have some strong hits if you use the right words one thing we do if you're in a topic one thing we added relatively recently one thing that always used to bug me take a topic it gets to 10 posts 50 posts 100 posts 300 posts at some point you assume people aren't really reading all the stuff that's there you know god forbid yeah. it's 10,000 posts or something like yeah. that so somebody will post a link in the topic and one thing that always bugged me was like well you're posting a link that we've already seen like i don't know 20 30 posts ago right you just didn't right. bother to spend any time reading the topic so one thing we check for in replies specifically is have we you pasted a link in your reply it's like have you seen this link about i don't even know something right it's a new york times article if we've hmm. seen that link because we do track all links like links are yeah. the currency of the internet so we spend a lot of time like sure Pulling links out, telling you how many times people have clicked the links, right. who clicked the links, how much do they click on, all that stuff. So we know the link has been in the topic already, so we'll pop a little box up, uh, not over your text, but immediately to the right of your text where you're typing. So immediately to the right of your field division where you're looking, it says, hey, it looks like you know Carl already pasted this link in this post from November 3rd. Are you right. sure you want to you know paste this link again? There's tons of places we do this. Like Another thing we do is, are you replying too much? We saw topics get dominated by certain people where they were just posting over and over and over. So if we see people doing that, we'll pop up little boxes. Hey, uh, I, I really want to say it looks like you're writing a letter, by the way, every time I do that. Yeah, clippy. Uh, <laughs> it is a little clippy-like. <laughs> but it says, hey, we've noticed you're, you've written more than X percent of the replies here. Are you sure you're giving other people time to adequately express their views and like, really get a great. variety of viewpoints? I love it. Because I saw people doing it, and, and I'll do it, right? It's like some topic that I'm like, oh, God. I have to reply over and over and over. But sometimes you you got to take a break, man. Like just step back, right. like say your piece and then, you know, let other people talk. Let a conversation develop. So it's nice to have these little reminders as you're doing it. Like by the time I'm starting to write my fifth reply and then it pops yeah. up and says, whoa, 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 Nelly, right? <laughs> Maybe you should slow it down there, cowboy, right? I want to talk um, to the users of ketogenicforums.com for just a minute because – as you probably know, people who are used to the Facebook experience going to a forum, you have some, you know, some friction and people have friction and, you know, they don't, they, they don't know what to expect and they don't know how to get around for the first couple of days. And they want that Facebook experience of, I just want to go and mindlessly read through stuff and, and, you know, throw stuff in a box that's been asked a million times. And that's what I want, you know, but, um, we can give them that experience with the with the new uh, and unread categories. I guess you wouldn't call them categories, but they're they're sort of just menu options right at the top. You have new and how many Filters, new messages yeah. there are, which you haven't seen yet, and unread, which is how many uh, how many uh, topics have answers that you have not read, right? That you haven't seen. 
So, um, and I guess it's just a little bit different because rather than somebody else prioritizing them message by message and topic by topic, whether that's by time or whatever, you have to sort of look through the categories of these uh, new and unread topics and look at the topics themselves and see which ones are interesting to you. But uh, is there anything that you can say to the the users of ketogenic forums who are new and coming from Facebook and maybe some tips and tricks and how to get around and how to how to uh, avoid that kind of angst? Sure. So I did create a blog entry. Um, one thing we used to do, and you probably have some users that signed up and still got this. We just changed it a few weeks ago. There's a little welcome uh personal message that's sent. It's an automated thing, but it contains sort of some tips and tricks mm, on you yeah. know, getting started and so forth. Um, we don't send that PM anymore. I shortened it a great deal because I realized it was kind of like a wall of text we were sending people and most people weren't reading it. Well, it's a little bit, yeah. So I did create a blog entry mm. and the PM now references that blog entry. So if you go to blog.discourse.org, uh, you will see that blog entry, which has tips and tricks. I strongly recommend uh, everyone check it out. It's got what we consider to be the essential you know, getting started pro tips. That's it. Mm. One thing we're working on, we haven't released yet. We'll probably release in the next three months is we have a bot that. So when that, you, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you create a new account on a site, it'll offer to interact. It's like, Hey, how's it going on the bot? You know, if, if you want to learn more about how this stuff works, reply to me. Because one of the insights that we had was the way you learn something, you know, it's like the first level in Halo. You, you play the game. The first level <laughs> is the tutorial level. It doesn't say this is the right. tutorial level. It just says, hey, start. And you're like, oh, God, you know, I pick up a weapon. And then, oh, there's a bad guy right there. Oh, he doesn't see me. Wow, this is going to be really easy. Um, <laughs> I got to go under. I got to go over. Here's how you jump. Here's how you, you know, it teaches you the stuff yeah. by playing yeah. the game. And I really wanted that for discourse because it's like, okay, we can send you a wall of text that you probably won't read. Or the bot could come and say, hey, let's play. I will reply to you. You reply to me. And that is using the system, right? That's playing the game. So then you're learning by doing, which is so much better than the wall of text. Now we have the wall of text. I just moved it to the blog because people learn differently. Some people might love the wall of text. And you always have the A plus students, you know, skew the distribution by doing really well relative to all the other users. And I shake my fist at those people for doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then you have really everybody else. It's like, you know, I don't care. It's like, I'm busy. Just, I need to get some stuff done, right? I don't have time for this jibba jabba. So for those people, the bot feel like more of a, an introductory walk where you one reply and another reply, and then you're just chatting. It's no big deal, right? Yeah, that's cool. Well, our goal is to our goal is to move eleven thousand people off of our Facebook group onto the ketogenic forums. And right now, there's over two thousand people, um, and we just opened. You know, basically since Christmas, we've been open. Nice. The thing I really like about this uh, uh, platform is that we have aspirations to to have. 100,000, a million people on this uh, forum. That's right. There's so many diabetics, type 2 diabetics out there. And um, of the 10,000, 11,000 people already we have on Facebook, probably maybe one or 2,000 have, have, have almost completely reversed their type 2 diabetes. So it's, 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 a remarkable, it's a remarkable thing. So it's one of these things that grows because this disease runs in families and you know people bring their families and friends into these communities yeah. it's 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 a community that's going to grow massively and we can't scale out caring i mean you're right that's the cool thing about form software is they scale from 5 people to you know 5 million people yeah we certainly hope we can do that yeah so you can have these much larger groups that are deciding what to and it's really wonderful to hear the story about you know 
reversing the course of, you know, health problems. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. that's even more inspiring for sure. No, it's it's a fantastic journey we're on and we thank you for helping us out with uh, with this uh, software. It's great. Jeff, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And I'm sure everybody really appreciates it. Uh, you're welcome. And, you know, always just keep the feedback coming. I think that's the most important thing. We do read all of it and we make a lot of changes based on that feedback. So please keep going. We will certainly do that. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Wow. So, so there you have it. Um, you know, that wasn't a whole bunch of information about ketogenicforums.com in particular, but we thought it would be a good idea for you to hear right from the horse's mouth from someone who thinks deeply about discussions and forums and cares about, uh, you know, what, what people's experiences are. I, I found interesting how much passion he has about the concept and how much thought he's put in over decades on the yeah. question of how do we effectively build a platform that scales to large numbers but still enables people to care and still still builds in care into the model and uh, right. we're hoping that uh, we can utilize what they've built for us with discourse uh, to turn the ketogenic right. forums into just such a platform and so if you think about it as two different things you think about it as a place where you can go and hang out with your friends and meet people and see before and after pictures and get inspired and all of the things that you like about Facebook yep. and it also has to be a way that you can create a searchable knowledge base with information for people who uh, are in need of it. Right. And this is exactly, you know, you may not be that person right now, but you will be someday. Or maybe you are now and you won't be someday. Mm. What I'm saying is that we need to satisfy both criteria. We need to have a social place and we also need to build up a knowledge base. And we also want to invite all of the disparate ketogenic and fasting and low carb and paleo and right. all of these groups who generally follow a low carbohydrate approach are all trying to fix the same problem and that is the amount of That's carbohydrate right. we have in a modern diet and the diseases of metabolism that it's uh, it's causing. That's right. You can almost think of it like a metabolism forum. Right. Because that's really what we're talking about. Whether you're keto gains and you're lifting and you want to build up muscle or whether you're paleo and you still want to eat your dates and sweet potatoes and mm -hmm. all of that stuff, this ketogenic forums is for everybody. Right. And uh, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to scale this up as a big knowledge base. So we want you to participate. And we also would like you to tweet it and send out uh, the link on Facebook and tell everybody you know. I've printed up business cards that I'm now handing out that say, you know, here's a great resource for you to learn how to fix your type 2 diabetes. Um, so having said that, mm. now maybe we can give some tips and tricks about how to navigate on the forum. Sure. Richard. You have done these great how-to messages in the how-to section at the bottom. I'm only getting started. I, I've got a lot that I, I want to get onto, but I've spent a lot of time on the forum. So what would you say is the first thing somebody should read when they come to ketogenicforums.com? Uh, I would go to the how-to section and look for how to navigate the forum. And yeah. the other one is, and that was written by Carol 
one of our admins, and another one also written by Carol is Basic Forum Navigation and Replies. And Jeff Atwood, as you heard, pointed people to blog.discourse.org, which is essentially that Discourse New User Tips and Tricks document that Carol copied and pasted into the uh, into the forum. That's right. And the other useful tip that I have is if you have a keyboard and you're using a PC, try the question mark because it will give you all of the shortcuts. Right. And I have one of these uh, programmable keyboards that uh, programmers and gamers like to use where you know you can mm. record five or six keystrokes to, to be under one button. So I hit that button right. and it does a whole bunch of things. I've got two buttons set up and one of them gets me to the next new topic and the other one gets me to the next unread reply. And uh, the way those are set up, I uh, the first button does G for go, N for new, and then J to select the first item. So if you just type in on a keyboard and you're, you're just in ketogenic forums, you just type in GNJ, you'll automatically go to the first uh, net, the first new topic. And if you just hit enter, you go straight into it. If you hit R, you'll reply to it. You hit control enter and that'll, that'll, that'll uh, post the reply. So it's really quick to go through uh, and uh, get to all of the new stuff that's happening. And this was one of the problems with the Facebook forum is I'd often spend two or three hours a day just catching up on all of the stuff that's happened since I was last on Facebook, just in our yeah. in our Facebook group. And once we'd gone beyond about three thousand members, I couldn't get I couldn't possibly get to everything that was new, and uh, it was unmanageable. Multiple hours mm. of the day, and, and, and we have twenty admins, and all of them are volunteers, and all of them spending multiple hours a day on this thing. I timed how long it would take me to do the same thing on the ketogenic forums once we had two and a half thousand members posting new replies and topics. And it took me seven minutes to do the same thing. Wow. So I've gone from yeah. like two or three hours down to seven minutes. Yeah, that's so, amazing. And people people have been saying on Facebook, they're upset that we've done this because of, you know, we've moved their cheese and and that's that always right. upsets people. But they've said, well, "Look, I'm not I I like Facebook. It's where I'm used to being and I don't expect to spend much time on the ketogenic forums." Well, I got to right. tell you, I don't expect to spend much time on the ketogenic forums either because <laughs> I can get done in 7 minutes what used to take me about 3 hours. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let me back up a little bit and just talk about the different levels of messages that we have. All right. We have at the top, we have the forum, which mm -hmm. is the big, you know, ketogenic forums. Yeah. Uh, then we have categories, and categories are just what you think they are fasting, food, non scale victories, um, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there are subcategories under each of those. So we have a health category. Yep. All of the health category, by the way, is not reachable by Google. So anything that you post in any health category or subcategory. You have to be logged in to read. You have to be logged in to read. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so there we have subcategories like type 2 diabetes, PCOS, thyroid, menopause, tests, weight loss surgery, pregnancy, mental health, and cancer. Obviously, those are sensitive topics. Mm -hmm. You can see that there's a lock next to the health topic because of that. Uh, we have so these are categories and subcategories. Under each of these, we have topics. Right. And this is typically what you would think of when somebody makes a new post on Facebook. Hmm. This is a new topic. However, 
the idea is that in a discussion, that's totally cool. Make a new topic because this is a discussion, keto chat, whatever. But in something like show me the science, the show me the science category, you know, there may be a lot of topics that are asking the same question. So before you post a question, hit that magnifying glass and search for it. And chances are you're going to find something that matches. And you may find the answer to your question has already been answered. That's what we want to encourage people to do. Yeah. So let's say you're reading a topic mm-hmm. and you're, you've got a whole bunch of things going on in this conversation and you want to reply. So what you would do in Facebook is you just reply to that topic, but maybe there's a whole bunch of comments. And in Facebook, you would read down through the comments and you might reply to the individual comments. But what happens is you realize quickly that somebody else has made the same comment or that person misspoke. And then they said, oh, you know, later on, you didn't read down far enough that they said, oh, you know, I got to correct myself. But it doesn't matter because you've already said it and everybody's going to pounce on you, right? You didn't read all 2000 replies in this this Facebook thread. Right. So what you can do is just highlight the sections of the things that people say and hit the quote button. Right. And that basically puts what they've said in a quote that goes into your reply. Now here's the trick. Keep reading the topic. Keep going down the topic and and, and reading the comments and reading the discussion and following along the discussion with something else that you want to comment on. You highlight that and hit the quote button again. While you're working on your post. While you're working on your post. And that gets added to your post, which is docked to the bottom of the page. And you continue to do that until, you know, by the time you get done with reading all the comments, you may not want to comment on (laughs) some of these things that you've quoted on. So you can cancel the post. Well, you can cancel the post. You can just delete the quotes that you want. I mean, they essentially get added to your to your reply. It allows you to give the context to your reply, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. And it also allows you to avoid the sort of knee-jerk replies that people get without reading the entire context, which you just said, you know? Right. And so you can have a more thoughtful and intelligent discussion. And the benefit is that somebody who comes and reads that is going to see that you've addressed these issues, which... And haven't been addressed the way that you want to address them. And they're going to be appreciative of that because you've actually done it in a, in a logical manner. One of the nice things about this quoting mechanism is you, it retains the link to the full context of where that quote was pulled from. So yeah. there's a little uh, link button. And if you click on that, you can jump straight up to see the exact full context of, uh, of where that quote was pulled from. And it even highlights that particular area in the in the post. It's incredible. It really is it really is clever stuff. Exactly. So we encourage you to go through all the topics in the how to forum mm-hmm. and if you come across something that you've learned how to do that uh, you can share, go ahead and post it. Create a topic, but uh, for for example, we show you how to post anonymously, mm-hmm. how to spot a private message, which is really important for reasons we'll talk about next. Yep. Um, we'll talk, you know, there's about your user profile and your privacy, how to swear, which we talked about <laughs> with Jeff, uh, you know, yeah. how to blur out, you know, sensitive, uh, for sensitive ears, uh, blur out curse words, mm-hmm. uh, how to delete a post, how to set your profile picture. Um, there's issues about if you want a dark color theme, you can, and you're on a desktop, there's a way to do that mm-hmm. with an external plugin. Now then let's talk about levels of trust and why 
certain things aren't available. When you first come to www.ketogenicforums.com and you haven't signed up and you haven't logged in, what can you see? So what you can see is all of the categories that don't have locks beside them. You can't comment on any of the threads and you can't create new threads. You basically get a view only uh, look at the website, and this is what will uh, this is what Google right. gets access to as well. So if you go into Google and type a query that uh, will find some content on our site, um, that's where they're getting that information from. And so those categories are keto chat, which is just you know a random category. That's general discussions, yep. We have a food category with recipes and fasting and fat and protein and vegetables and blah blah blah. Yep. We have a show me the science category. Yeah. We have a winners and losers which is like non-scale victories and fell off the horse and stall points. And we also have a subcategory called before and after where people post their pictures but that one is locked. That is not public. So you can't you can't see people's before and after photos until you actually log into the system. So if you've got a view-only look at the system, at the top of the page, you'll see uh, that you can log in via your Facebook account and you can log in via Google and you can, or you can give us a, an email address and uh, we'll send you uh, an email back and uh, verify that you actually do live there and uh, you set up a password and then you then you have a basic trust level zero account on the site. And then you have 15 minutes to look around before you get elevated to the next trust level that's right. at which you can see some of that locked content, right? Yeah. And the, that's exactly right. And the reason for that is that we're trying to stop automated processes uh, that uh, spam bots, basically. What that will do is that will weed out users who are not people. <laughs> so what's the next level up after trust level zero? Sure. So with trust level zero, you cannot uh, create new topics or you can create a new topic, but it gets passed to an administrator to confirm whether it's acceptable or not. So you have okay. to pass an extra level of security. When you've been on the site for more than about 15 minutes and you've read about 30 posts and uh, you've uh, maybe uh, replied to four or five topics, then you get invisibly elevated to trust level one. And that's considered novice level. That's right. And trust level one is really everybody on the forum is trust level one. Uh, yeah. if you've been on there for more than about 15 minutes. And at Trust Level 1, you can see uh, the uh, general health forums, so all of those PCOS, type 2 diabetes and uh, yeah. cancer forums. You can see the winners and losers before and after photos. So, uh, And uh, the other thing that you can do is you can flag posts. What does that mean, flag posts exactly? Yeah. So this is interesting. If you see a post that you find offensive or you don't think is appropriate or you think it's spam or any other reason that you're uncomfortable with a post, there's an option on every post where you can flag it. If you're trust level zero, you can't do that. As soon as you get to trust level one, you can flag posts. And what happens is flagged posts go to the administrators to be looked at to to check whether they're appropriate or not. And we've got mechanisms to send people warnings, delete posts, and uh, and basically take action on the items. But the interesting thing is if enough people flag a post, it automatically gets deleted. So mm. um, 
even if the administrators haven't gotten around to looking at a post, it'll be deleted just in case because enough people have flagged it. So wow. this is part of the mechanism of how they've built discourse so that the community self-polices. I love it. So that's trust level one. Mm -hmm. Now there's another trust level above that, trust level two, which we call regular trust. Mm -hmm. What happens here and what other privileges do you get? So you get that after about 15 days of trust level one, you get silently elevated to trust level two. Okay. And that uh, allows you to invite other people into topics. It allows you to have uh, group private messages. Oh. Uh, it, it, it's really basically we've trusted you to the point where we, we know you can start um, pulling other people into things and we know you're not going to be uh, too disruptive with that. Um, so there's not a lot of extra functionality for Trust Level 2. But if you've been at Trust Level 2 for 100 days, oh. then you get elevated to Trust Level 3. Uh -huh. And this is where all of the fun stuff happens. And we call Trust Level 3 the leaders. This is the leaders in our community. And you you have to basically, to, to get there, you have to have visited the forum in at least 50 of the past 100 days. So you have to be... You've got to be invested. Yeah, I think so. And uh, you've got to have read about a quarter of the topics created in that time and that, that caps out. So, you, you know, if it's a really, if we go through a really big growth phase, you don't have to read a quarter of all those topics, but you have to read probably a, 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 a fair percentage of the of the new stuff. And you have to have re received at least 20 likes in those 50 days. So wow. it's, it's not too onerous, but basically it means that you've become further engaged in the community, you're invested in, in how the community is moving. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what we do is uh, we uh, allow you to see a special forum called the Mod Lounge, uh, which is where all the moderators live because basically at Trust Level 3, you're a moderator of the site. Uh, you can rename topics, you can move them into different categories, uh, you can immediately hide spam posts. So if somebody at Trust Level 0 uh, tries to post and it's uh, it's a spam. You can just delete it and uh, and remove it straight out of the yeah. out of the system. If somebody's trust level one or two posts something that's spam, it has to go to an admin to 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 be verified. But uh, yeah, the other thing that a moderator can do is that they can make wikis. They can turn any post into a wiki, which is something that everybody can edit. So the idea is that if you want to be more engaged in the leadership role and have more moderator privileges, just don't be a jerk. Yeah. We're going to trust you. <laughs> We're going to trust you to, to, yeah. to be part of molding this community with us. Right. That's it. Now let's talk about badges. Right. What is a badge? Okay. It so sounds this... like something, it sounds like a game my kid would play. And, you know, the more things they color in correctly, they would get badges, yeah. you know, like, like a, like a gold star on your paper. It's kind of like Pokemon. You got to catch everyone. Uh, yeah. We have lots of badges that the system will give you to indicate that that you've reached a certain milestone. For example, if you receive more than 10 likes on a post, you will get a badge. Now, anyone who looks at your profile can see all of the badges that you've collected. And uh, you can see that uh, people get badges when they uh, write content that uh, other people like or uh, moderate yeah. content or there's lots of different ways to get badges. But we've got a couple of really interesting ones. We've got one badge, which is the guinea pig badge. Yeah. And this is a badge that we've created for anybody who logged onto the forum prior to the site going public. And, in fact, it's going to be if you've created an account prior to January 2nd, uh, then uh, you get going to get this badge. And from this point onwards, everybody will know 
that you were in the first wave, that you were yeah. there right at the beginning of the ketogenic forums? Um, uploading files, uploading pictures is very easy. You can just drag and drop pictures yep. from your uh, desktop onto them. You, If you have a picture in your clipboard on your desktop, you can paste, paste it in it and it'll in. upload. Yep. Um, on a device or a phone, there's an upload button, so you can just uh, select a file from your local system and, and upload it. Mm -hmm. uh, we expect lots of food porn. We Absolutely. expect lots of before and after pictures. Yep. So as you heard from Jeff, uh, Discourse is open source, yep. which means that it's uh, freely available to use. However, hosting is not. Right. And we have opted to use the Discourse hosting system. Yeah. Um, we did get a discount because mm -hmm. we're, uh, you know. Jeff knows us. Doing, it's, a, it's a good cause and Jeff knows us. Yeah. However, it still costs us uh, real money. So sure. if you would like to donate to the cause, go to uh, 2ketodudes.com. And right on the podcast page, there's a big old PayPal donate button. Just feel free to help us out that way. And uh, we'd like to thank everybody who has donated so far. Absolutely. You guys are great. We, we couldn't have done this without you. The reason we got this ketogenic forums up so quickly is because so many people helped to uh, basically help pay for the de the bandwidth for our for our podcast, uh, at least contribute to it. And so um, we're, we're doing a lot of this on our own backs. I mean, we're doing this because we're committed. The whole point to this is to try and – uh, help people uh, cure their diabetes. And we were stuck and didn't know what to do and thought that we were progressing only to becoming more sick and we found a way out of the bag. And, that's uh, right. And now we want to help other people find their own way out of it. So um, that's really what we're doing. We are advertising on the forum. We're advertising our own podcast and <laughs> and our blog and uh, we're advertising and Keto, Keto Fest. Fest, so an event that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, we will be taking advertising from uh, from companies that produce products that we consider uh, ketogenic in in uh, focus. So um, so mm -hmm. we will be doing some curated advertising, uh, but that's in the future. But for now, um, yep. we're uh, we're hoping that you like this. We're hoping that our community yeah. digs this and gets involved. We're hoping that you'll at least give it a shot. That's right. Give it a chance before you diss it. And even though you're on Facebook all the time, you know, you might think of ketogenic forums as just another uh, a way to communicate with people of like mind. That's right. And that brings us to a section called... Recipes! Recipes! So I'm going to go first, Carl. I've got a recipe. Yeah. Uh, as you know, for Christmas, I bought myself an, an over... Sous vide machine. And I got one for Christmas too. And you it's did. working right now on a Chuck <laughs> Roast. <laughs> it's amazing there's so many people in our groups that have all got the same sous vide because they were, they were really I think quite they went on special. sale. They went on sale and everybody said yeah. yeah. And they were advertised on Facebook. And as, as we mentioned before, Facebook is designed to stick those sub, subliminal adverts in. The funny thing is ever since I bought the sous vide, Facebook keeps on keeps on flogging me the same advertisement. Yeah. Let me tell you about the stuff you already have. <laughs> exactly. So um, good old Facebook. So anyway, um, yeah. my recipe today is how to temper chocolate in a sous vide machine. Ooh. And I tell you, it is the simplest way to temper chocolate oh. I've, ever, I've found. Basically what you do is you put in a bag about 150 grams of cacao butter, 
So where does one get cacao butter? Well, cacao butter is sometimes also known as cocoa butter. It's the pure fat of chocolate. Okay. And when they uh, extract out the cocoa or cacao from the cacao bean, uh, they separate out the fat and that goes down one uh, line of the production and the cocoa mass, which is the ultimately becomes the cocoa powder, goes down the other cocoa line powder, of the production. Yeah. And then at the end, you combine the butter with the powder and a sweetener and that's what makes chocolate. So what I do is I combine in a bag 150 grams of the cacao butter and about a tablespoon of cocoa. Now, if you don't have cacao butter, you could probably just use unsweetened chocolate, like 100% cocoa. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate and cacao butter together. Yeah. Just, you know, get 100% uh, chocolate bar. Absolutely. No sugar. And uh, I add a little, I add a smidgen, which is actually a precise measurement of an extremely small spoon. I think it's a one thirty second of a teaspoon. A smidgen of pure sucralose powder. You can't add liquid. You can't add liquid stevia or uh, liquid sweeteners uh, because as soon as water hits melted chocolate, it seizes up. So it has to be all dry. Now, if you maybe if you had stevia powder, that would work because stevia sure. lends itself well to chocolate because it's bitter already, right? Yeah, absolutely. I personally like sucralose uh, because I need a very small amount, and for me, that that it tastes sweet enough, but okay. um, everybody's different when it comes to sweetness. Yeah, so sure. you have to find out what works for you. And you also have to find out if you have a, a reaction to the sweeteners. You know, the, we've gone through this all before. Listen to our sweeteners show. Absolutely. So, but find the sweetener that works for you and add it in the, in the, in the appropriate amount. If you make a batch and it's not sweet enough, next time you make the batch, add a little bit more. You'll, you'll dial into what, what is your ideal amount. It's going to make about 150 grams of melted chocolate. Okay. So the interesting thing about melted chocolate is if you just take cooking chocolate or cacao butter and you melt it and then form it in a mould and put it in the fridge, what you end up with is untempered chocolate. So it doesn't have the snap of chocolate and it hmm. it doesn't – it melts in your hand and uh, whereas – Properly tempered chocolate is set up such that it won't melt in your hand, but it will melt in your mouth, and it has a snap to it. So you want to temper your chocolate, in other yeah. words. So how we temper it is, first of all, we've got to need to melt the chocolate. So we've got it in a sealed bag. Now, I can use just a, a Ziploc bag will work fine. Don't let any sure. water get in. Seal the zip. You put it in your sous vide, and you bring it up to about 45 degrees Celsius. Okay. And that will melt the chocolate. And once the chocolate is melted, you now need to drop the temperature down to 27 degrees. And the way that I do that is I just I, I, I take the bag out and put it on a tea towel. I empty all of the water in the sous vide bath and I fill it with cold water from the tap. I set the sous vide to 27 degrees and it takes maybe a minute to get up to temperature. Okay. Meanwhile, the bag is slowly lowering its temperature from 45 degrees down to whatever the ambient temperature in the room is. You're going to get it into the right. water bath before you know, in about two minutes anyway, so it won't get down to 20, below 27 degrees. You want it to get it to 27 degrees and then take it from there up to 32. So I put it in the bath at 27 when the chocolate's in there, I massage it nicely so that the chocolate is well mixed. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get crystals to touch non-crystallized pieces of the melted fat. Okay. And uh, and it's basically the crystals are propagating through the mixture. 
and then uh, I take it up to 32 degrees and you can leave it at 30 degrees, 32 degrees forever. It will stay at that point. It's perfectly tempered melted chocolate. And when you need to use it, you just cut a corner off the bag and you pipe it over whatever the, whatever you need to yeah. uh, to to cover with chocolate. Um, I just did it into some silicone molds, made very thin pieces of chocolate, and it's it's has that snap uh, that well tempered chocolate yeah. is supposed to have, and uh, that's my recipe. So it's, it really is the easiest way to make uh, to make properly tempered chocolate. Wow, that's great. Mm. Now, of course, if you buy sugar-free chocolate, you may be getting all sorts of crazy stuff in there that you don't want, like maltitol or yeah. whatever. So this is a way that you can take raw chocolate plus your sweetener of choice right. and turn it into you know, chocolate bars. Yeah, I'm eating, I'm eating a little piece of it right now. <laughs> yeah, if you want to put almonds, macadamias, walnuts, or whatever that you want in there. Mm. Now you can do it, and you essentially have chocolate bar. It's actually it's actually a fat bomb. It's really just fat. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of uh, carbohydrate in the in the cocoa mass, but there's not a lot. Right. And the nice thing about this is that you can, because it's tempered, you can make very very thin slices. So you can make a millimeter thin slice of the stuff and crack it all up, and then just have a small amount just to coat just to coat your tongue with chocolate. Wow. You're actually not getting a lot of calories, but you're getting all that hundred percent flavor of the chocolate, which is Wonderful. Well done, sir. You're welcome. What have you got for us, Carl? Well, today I've decided to go out to one of my favorite sites, cavemanketo.com, mm. for uh, something that I consume on a regular basis, uh, it, which is a pinwheel, a flank steak pinwheel. So this is where it's it's, it's turned around in like a, into a spiral, right? Yeah, you know what a jelly roll is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like that, except it's made with steak, cheese, and spinach. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I go to my local Big Y, which is a supermarket, mm -hmm. and they usually have these uh, all the time, as far as I can remember, but I went today to Big Y looking for pinwheels. They don't have them. The butcher says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, no pinwheels. He goes, nope, nope, they're coming back in the spring. That's a spring, <laughs> summer know. grill thing. <laughs> okay, whatever. So I found these on Caveman Keto. And uh, essentially what you do is you take two and a half pounds of flank steak, which is basically a sheet of flat steak. And right. flank steak is good because it's a little fibrous. Mm -hmm. It's it, It's got some fat. Needs to be cooked a bit. Yeah, very tasty, but it does need to be cooked to loosen up those uh, connective tissues. Mm. I'm going to take 16 ounces of mozzarella cheese, 8 ounces of fresh spinach leaves, and some Italian seasoning. You can also put things in there like olives and yeah. uh, roasted red peppers. Capers. Uh, yeah. Capers. There's just you know anything that you can think of that goes with steak, cheese, and spinach, right? <laughs> right. Garlic. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's no end to it. So you preheat the oven to 350 degrees, mm -hmm. put the flank steak so that the grain is going from right to left, which is kind of important. Okay. That, that, you, that you set it out so that the grain runs lengthwise. So that'll make them easy to cut. That'll make them easy to, yeah. to slice the pinwheels off. Yeah. You got it. So Caveman Keto says to remove any hard fat deposits. No. Hell no. <laughs> Leave that stuff on. Yeah. But you do want to square it. So that means cutting it so that and trimming it so that it's squarish or rectangleish. Right. 
if that's a word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you butterfly <laughs> this flank steak. You cut it parallel to the cutting board and leaving an inch or so not cut. You should be cutting along the grain. Mm. And you open it using the knife to finish the cut. So there's a half an inch or so uh, connected and you lay it. You know what I'm talking about. You cut it yeah, flat and it, really. open it. Yeah, you're butterflying butterfly. it. Exactly. All right. So you season, this is where you add your seasonings, salt, pepper. We need more salt. Put more salt on there. Mm. Maybe a little garlic, mm. um, you know, yeah. maybe some olive tapenade, whatever oh. you like. This is what you do. Yeah. It, it, I'm thinking about it in my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm thinking about uh, a beef wellington, you know, where you take the phyllo dough and you lay that out. And do shell of mushrooms and yes. Yeah. <laughs> mushroom to shell. Exactly. Except that we're using steak. So yeah. that's great. <laughs> So now you put mozzarella cheese all over the meat and Mm. uh, just leave an inch on one side for wrapping and a layer of spinach. And now you roll it up, making sure to keep it tight and rolling with the grain. Mm. And you can tie it up with twine, uh, which is a good idea because you want to cook. These things will fall apart when you cook them. Right. and, and trust me, I know this from experience. If you cook these on the grill, the cheese will fall yeah. into the grill yeah. and burn. So put it on a tray, I guess. Yeah, put it on a tray, put it on parchment, put it on foil, something like that. But you can easily do it in the oven and right. it, it, it works just fine. All right. So take some twine and wrap it up. Now, when you wrap it up with twine, you want to wrap it so that every piece of twine is in the middle of a serving. Sure. You know, so what are we talking? Maybe every three inches nice. or so? Big bits. Nice. You know? yep. Yeah. <laughs> and after you wrap it up, you slice that, uh, slice it so you've got pinwheels and you put those in a Pyrex baking dish or, you know, you could even put them on a cookie sheet with uh, parchment paper if you want to get a little more air. There's one technique we haven't really talked about in uh, the cooking show. Maybe we did, and I can't remember it, but that is whenever you're cooking things on a cookie sheet or in a baking pan or whatever, if everything is really close together, things aren't going to get crispy. Right. And that's perfectly fine for pinwheels, but mm. if you're doing like wings, right. you know, or cheese crisps- Separate them out. Let the air get in between them. Yeah. That's right. Separate them out. If you're trying to crisp up some things in a frying pan, don't crowd it. If right. you're trying to fry- that's a good um, technique. Some chicken yep. parm. Mm. Yeah. If you're trying to fry some, uh, you know, chicken parm with uh, mm. Parmesan and pork rind crust, let's say, and fry them in a frying pan, just do two at a time. Right. Yeah. Don't put all four in there crammed together because they won't crisp up. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Carl's tip of the day. Interesting aside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then you basically cook these for 25 minutes or until the meat reaches, you know, your desired doneness. 25 minutes is about medium rare. Yeah. And then you want to turn on the broiler and get three minutes under the broiler so that the mozzarella bubbles and is all crispy on top. And that's serious, (laughs) serious eats right there. I'm getting hungry now. (laughs) Yeah. It's morning here. It's only, it's like 10 a.m. in the morning on New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Well, happy New Year, Richard. Happy New Year. I've got an empty (laughs) bottle of beer in front of me from last night. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, Carl is still in the middle of New Year's Eve. So uh, 
Uh, I'm literally talking to you from the future. (laughs) I'm going down to the hygienic restaurant to a gala that they're holding tonight. Nice. A New Year's Eve party, and I'm meeting some local people and just uh, having a good time. So that's that's what I'm doing. That's uh, what you're doing. And hey, listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us through thick and thick. Yeah. And enjoy ketogenicforums.com. Please give it a shot. Don't just write it off. We hope to transfer everything that we've done and accomplished on Facebook over there and then some. We are going oh, yeah. we are going to stop at nothing short of a million people on that forum. We've got big plans for this. So uh Watch this space. Yeah, you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website or come and see us in the forums. <laughs> yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Keto Dudes, on Instagram at Two Keto Dudes, and of course, Go to www.ketogenicforums.com and uh, join us over there. Join the conversation. Absolutely, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good one, folks. Keep calm and keto on, buddy. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right, and we'll see you next time on, on Two, Two Keto, keto Dudes. Dudes.